and welcome everybody to Sea View 2023. Uh, we are now starting another enlightening episode of Devi Nina Bingham Show. Today, we embark on a journey into the realms of spiritual wisdom guided by the profound insights of Archangel Metatron. Prepare to explore the timeless truths of good versus evil and the light of the material world, the power of intuition and the cosmic sense of light and darkness. Our lines are open for your questions and insights, so don't hesitate to call in and join the conversation. Press 1 when you're ready to share or to ask a question to Nina. And for everyone that is here and are celebrating your birthday, please, uh, we are very happy to have you here and to share the gift of being today. Let's dive into the mysteries of the universe and uncover the wisdom that lies within. Stay tuned and let's bring, um, join me in bringing today our host, Nina Bingham, Debbie Nina Bingham. She's the author of the book, Messages from Metatron, A Course in Self-Transformation. And you can get the e-book um, free if you contact um, um, Nina or me by going to cview1111.net and just scroll down where you see her show, click on the image, and you'll find a form. So we can send you the ebook of these transformative um, messages from Metatrain. Hey, Nina, welcome to see you. How are you doing? Ah, good morning, Claudia from Arizona. I don't know if it's the morning there. I think you're in the afternoon by now. Uh, but welcome, everybody, to the Messages from Metatron podcast. And today's lesson comes from the message number 21, entitled Good, Evil, and the Material Lie. So the book is titled Messages from Metatron, and you can find it on Amazon.com if you want the um, uh, paperback or paperback. Uh, just Nina Bingham. The book messages and 30 lessons in the study guide, which is included. So we are already, Claudia, we are already on number 21 out of 30 messages. Can you believe it, Claudia? When we first did this broadcast, number one, I never imagined that it would speed by as fast as it has. But here we are on message 21. So today's topic, investigate. Why and, is there evil on earth? Why and, is there evil on earth? We are losing a lot of the of the things that you're saying. So it starts very well and then starts a little uh, cracky, the transmission. So I think we're going to ask mm. you for a call with yourself because something is going on with the uh, computers, if you don't mind. Let me give me a minute so, and I'll call right in. 
Yes. And so while you call, we're going to start talking a little bit about the book. One month. I'll go see you soon. So remember that Debbie Nina Bingham, she is the writer of Messages from Metatron, A Course in Self-Transformation. And this is a, a book that was given to her by Metatron. So many of these messages that we have been covering through the the show every other month has a lot of information, very deep transformative information that is challenging, but also eye-opening. Because Metaton, if, if you agree, Nina, has this very, it is very to the point of things. So sometimes it feels like, oh, this is too much, but at the same time, he knows because he it it is believed that Metatron is one of the few angels that also had a a human life, so he has been in our shoes. Is that right, Tina? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, in the book of uh, well, in the Bible, um, it says that. The first two chapters, I think it's like Genesis. It might be, you know, a couple of chapters after that or books after that in the Bible. But um, his, it tells us that his name was Enoch, E-N-O-C. And actually, uh, before they, you know, before the church fathers cut out um, the book of Enoch, it was actually part of the Bible. So, um, but it's interesting because today Christians may not be familiar with Metatron, and it, it says in the Bible that Enoch became Metatron when he was taken to heaven. Um, he was actually taken to heaven before he died. So, um, yes, so he's very familiar with what it is to be a human being, and um, he lived a long, long life. I think it was like 900 years uh, back then. Uh, humans lived a long time. So Metatron is very familiar with what we go through. And, you know, you mentioned that he's very direct. He is very direct. He's very honest. Um, he doesn't mince his words. And um, certainly that's true in, in this book. Yes. And so when, we, so when you read the book, every chapter, it's a very different uh, topic. And in this occasion, we're talking about the concept of good and evil. And you know, um, Nina, one of the things that I, I have been noticing this month uh, in preparation for your show is everything is in those terms. Like every news, if you open, if you turn on the TV and you see the news, it, there are these things that are cataloged as good and these things that are also have the, the tag of bad. Or I myself, whenever there's something, I might say, no, no, that's not good or that's bad or that's good or you should do this. And so we have all of these parameters where we want everything to come and it's just black and white. Yeah. Yeah, that's called dialectic thinking. And we humans tend to do that. We like to categorize things because it makes it easy, easier for us um, to understand the world, right, to comprehend these huge complex subjects that we're faced with. So when we're faced with a problem, we like things to be, to simplify things. Um, 
In fact, that's interesting that you should say that because that was what I was going to open with, that thought today (laughs) is how human beings tend to be dialectical, how we tend to um, want it either black or white. It's hard for us to imagine the gray. And, And so I'd like to quote a modern philosopher. His name is Alan Watts. I don't know if you know of him. He's my favorite modern philosopher. Um, Here's what he has to say about the way that humans tend to categorize everything, okay, and especially where God is concerned. So he says, quote, the whole problem is it would be very bad if God were the author of evil and we were his victims. That is to say, if we keep the, you know, model of the king of the universe and the creatures are all subjects of the king. Then a God who is responsible for evil is being very unkind to people, unquote. And this is the argument that that the atheist has, right? This is their bone of contention, their bone to pick with God, and rightly so. So how are we to understand this, the question of suffering? of why there is pain, of why there is two sides. If God could make paradise on earth, which the Bible in Genesis says he did, then why are we living in this mess? To this, Alan Watts replies, quote, there are no victims of God. We are nothing but our own victims. You are responsible. And if you want to stay in a state of illusion, stay in it, or you can always wake up, unquote. So what is he saying? The story of the Garden of Eden, do you remember that story? Tells us why there is evil. So let's look at that, okay? So remember, in the book of Genesis, there was a tree, wasn't there? There was a tree of knowledge. And that knowledge was of good and evil. This is what the Bible says. And God said, don't eat from this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Why would God say that? What did it really mean? Up until that point, the humans were innocent, like children. Okay? It says that they didn't even know they were naked. So there was only good. In their minds, there was only good in the world. And then they decided that good wasn't good enough. They wanted exciting instead. So they chose to know both, both sides of the point. They had a choice to live in a world without fear, without anger, without jealousy, without revenge, without illness, pain, without heartbreak. Can you imagine such a world? They weren't satisfied, though, with what they had. Well, then human nature hasn't changed very much, has it? Because we get dissatisfied, don't we? We get bored very, very easily. Now, let me jump back to something that Alan Watts said about light and darkness. 
because that's what you were talking about earlier, Claudia. I want mm-hmm. you to picture and imagine the image of the yin-yang symbol. You've all seen it. It's, it's a circle with a white fish and a black fish in the middle. I'm sure you've all seen the image. <clears throat> and I want you to hold that yin-yang image in your mind for a minute. And Alan says this, quote, what if the white fish succeeds in eating up the dark one? There would be no contrast because the white one is only noticeable in relation to the dark one. So then if these two fishes wake up, which is the Buddhist call awakening, when we wake up and see the truth, then these fishes are going to realize that they're one. In other words, they go together. They're inseparable. And this realization is the experience that underlies all that is negative in the world, all that is painful and evil. There is a kind of necessity to it to light and darkness. It goes with the good. It is necessary for the good. As disorder is necessary for the manifestation of order, just you have to say a black background only shows up against a light background. When one sees this, a profound transformation can take place about our attitude towards the world, unquote. So what he is saying, Claudia, is that evil is necessary for contrast. And if there was only sunshine, saying, and never rain, after a while, you'd loathe the sunshine, wouldn't you? Conversely, if it was only rainy, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 364 days a year, you would long for the sunshine, wouldn't you? And if you only had salt and no pepper to season your food, you'd miss the salt. I mean, you'd miss the pepper. (laughs) And if you only had salt and no pepper, you get sick of the salt and want pepper. So do you see how we are? Pleasure is only pleasurable for so long. If you had to eat your very favorite food, Claudia, what's your very favorite food? I would say sushi. What is it? Sushi. Sushi. Okay. <laughs> That's my worst food. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so let's good. Leave it to me. Eat sushi. I love sushi. <laughs> oh, a lot. A lot of people do, and it's so good for you. Um, but let's say, Claudia, you had to eat sushi every meal, or even once yeah, a day, I would not do even it. for dinner, all you could have. Wouldn't you get sick of it? Right. If yeah, you're probably. Asking your favorite food for every meal, you'd wind up hating it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and this is because 
we are an organism who thrives on novel things. Think about a dog and what they eat. A dog can eat the same kibble each day without whining because they don't have the distinguishing palate that we do. Because we can taste so much more than they can. We can taste salty. We can taste sweet. We can taste tart. We can taste bitter. We can um, enjoy smooth and chunky and hard and soft because of our senses. We want more than the same food every day. So you see, we are programmed as humans by our five senses to desire contrast. To desire contrast. And so what did God say about the tree, the tree of contrast? He simply told us the truth. He warned us about something. He just told us the truth. He said, once you decide to taste the bitter with the sweet, you will also experience pain with the pleasure So ultimately, humanity chose, if you believe the creation story in Genesis, humanity chose a free will to be like the gods, which is actually what Satan says. He says, if you eat that, God knows you'll be like him. In other words, you'll have a free will. And the good and bad of life will be experienced. God wanted them to make that choice, but to make it with full knowledge. And Satan then comes in as kind of like a used car salesman, and he says, you're going to love driving this new car. You'll be just like the Joneses. Right? So he's trying to sell the tree to them. And so... <clears throat> and so because, you know, here we are in 2023 living in a world of stark contrast, harsh, harsh contrast. But according to Genesis, we got the car we chose. So can we stop blaming God now for our choices or for at least choices that our ancestors made? Claudia, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. Yeah, you know, you're right. It is everything of that makes sense, and it explains a lot of life. But at the same time, it it makes you wonder and question about the sin because we're talking about when I was reading that on your book. I was saying, gee, this is another thing that we are programmed to feel or to do, and this desire of novelty, that desire of new. and But how much of what we are is it programmed, and how much are we free or should we be free? And many times going on with that same thought process, when I say that I'm free, it's when I don't like something the way 
that it is, and I want to turn the other way. But when I change my my the way that I understand or see that something that I'm reacting to, then everything goes back to place. But I, but but you see, it's it's it, this is a constant thing that um that we all question, I guess, and. Usually, you come back to the same spot where I'm not sure of everything. I'm not sure of, of all the answers. And and mm-hmm. we are so complex and simple at the same time. Yes. Um, free will is a double-edged sword because, okay. yes, we have lots of choices, but just like you said, Life is incredibly complex, and the society that we've created, the world that we live in is incredibly complex, and it's getting more complex as we get more technologically advanced, isn't it? So it's definitely a double-sided sword. Um, When I channeled the messages in this book, I would feel the intensity of love and devotion that angels have for humans. Because Metatron is an archangel. And somehow, in a process that I don't fully comprehend, as I would write out these words, I would be flooded with emotion and enabled to feel with the angel as he shared his heart with me. And I distinctly remember how he shared the story, the ancient history of the angels who had come to earth as protectors and teachers of humanity and how they looked after us. Now, I'm talking about prehistoric us, okay? Prehistoric, prehistory, before they could, before we could read or write, way back. And how they regarded us as their darling humans. Much the same feeling as we have towards our beloved pets. Angels felt that way about us. And here's how Metatron describes the relationship that we once had with the angels who inhabited the earth alongside of us. They lived here. And it's interesting because the early books of the Bible do say that. Talk a lot about angels living side by side with us. Now, here's what Metatron says about this. Quote, there was a time when angels looked after humans caring for you as if you were our own dear children. We felt warm compassion for you. The way humans have a fondness for their cherished pets, we looked after you, unquote. And next he tells how the dark angels inhabited this planet. And in order to avoid a fierce battle between the light and the dark forces, the good angels and the bad angels, because they were all originally good, and then some, well, the Bible says they fell from heaven, then the good angels withdrew so humanity would not be caught in, a, in the crossfire. They would not be caught in a war. Okay, this is what Metatron says, and it describes in this book. And he says now... The angels guide and protect us as much as they can from higher realms, higher dimensions. 
And he sets the stage, relaying this ancient pre-civilized history of mankind so that we understand why we are now finding ourselves down here alone. Or what psychic Sylvia Brown describes as being on the battlefield with a dead radio. I love that description. <laughs> you know, being down here in the middle of a war and I'm, I'm, you know, banging on this radio saying, does anyone hear me? Right? <laughs> so the point of his story is to say, if you feel alone down here, if you find yourself clueless and stuck and not remembering what your mission is and experiencing defeat and longing to grow beyond the limitations, the boundaries that our minds can convince us that we are, that we're trapped, it's because you were on a planet that is used for shedding negative karma. Let me say that again. You are on a planet that is used for shedding negative karma. Here's how Metatron says it. Quote, Now you understand that Earth is a place where incarnated souls go to shed negative karma and that you are part of the struggle between light and darkness. He doesn't say you were born to sit back and watch this tug of war. No. He says you're part of it. Part of it. You are playing a part as your soul learns its lessons and unloads the false beliefs that it was hanging on to in previous lives. That's the negative karma you're here to shed. Do you understand? You are playing a part as your soul learns its lessons and unloads those false beliefs that it was hanging on to in previous lives. So you are a soldier. And if it feels like a war someday, I'm right in the middle of life. I'm exactly where I should be. And I know that because you can't be anywhere else because you're here. So when you're pulling your hair out or feeling ineffective, try to remind yourself somehow, shake yourself and say, although darkness seems like it's all around me, I am being protected by my angels. So let me pause here and ask, Claudia, do you have the experience of what I can only describe as an amnesia, a spiritual amnesia where I feel lost and confused and fatigued and bombarded by life? Do you ever find yourself wondering what you're doing here or what your mission is or if you're accomplishing your mission? 
Yeah. Yeah, in, in fact, this <laughs> summer, I feel that, as you may ask, is whenever something happens in my life that is not the way that I like or want or desire or whatever I task you want to put there, I get to that place where I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing it or if not, if I'm part of the if if I'm part of the goodness, if I'm not, if I should be doing more, if I'm doing it, mm-hmm. yep, yeah. right yes. there. And I think I think that we can we all will accept that there are moments in our lives um, that we feel hopeless, that we feel lost, um, or that we can feel purposeless, you know. Um, and it's easy to get there. And, and I actually, I get there often. And so what he's asking us to do is to recognize when, that, when those happen, those points of discouragement come, is to try to remember you are in a battlefield, like Sylvia Brown said, psychic Sylvia Brown said, you are in a battle down here with the radio. Okay, there are moments that you're not going to be able to hear the other side very well or to get direction or they're just going to be silent and see what you do, what you choose. And so he says, when you get in the midst of battle and you, the radio is dead, just remind yourself you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And everything's really okay. Because you're exactly where you're supposed to be, which is right here. Having these questions. And I guess that's the point, isn't it? He's saying Mm -hmm. the questions are okay. It's okay not to know. Wouldn't that be a wonderful affirmation? Just to remind ourselves and to say to ourselves, it's okay not to know. I don't have to know everything. That's God's job. I'm just a soldier here. I mean, think about a soldier in battle. They often don't know where they're going. They often don't know what's happening. They often don't know if they're winning or losing, do they? They just fight on. And that's where we're at. We're just a soldier. So at this juncture in the message, Metatron discusses materialism. Let's jump to that for a moment, shall we? He makes a clear distinction between people who are materialists, and and let's define that, people who believe that happiness comes from money and material wealth, and those who believe that the soul, our spirit, is where happiness comes from. Okay, that's the distinction. And he draws this dividing line to say that putting your faith in riches is like walking further and further into the darkness. While our inner light is what we need to follow. And it's interesting to me that he doesn't talk about demons causing evil in the world. Nowhere in this chapter on good and evil does he mention or does he say 
that demons are causing evil in the world. No. He doesn't even mention it. Although, he mentions that as being a reality, that there are demons, there are demonic forces. But he turned the mirror, as he always does in this book, doesn't he, Claudia? He's constantly turning the mirror back to ourselves and asking us the question, are you saving yourself from the clutches of materialism? And here is how he says it, quote, It is a common religious phrase to say, God can save a soul. But the soul must save itself. You are saved when you have no attachment to riches and power. You are not saved by an act of God. Your own hand must untie you. Now, Christians and Catholics tell us that Jesus saved us. And indeed, he was the Savior because he came to save us from our own stupidity, (laughs) from our own ignorance of the afterlife and so many other things. Christ was a master teacher, my friends. He came to save us from ignorance as a teacher always does. But here Metatron is talking about a different kind of salvation. He seems to be saying, your behaviors, lifetime after lifetime, will redeem you, will save you from personal ignorance and the ego, illusion. And like Christ, we are here to crucify the ego. How do I know that? What is one of the last things that Christ said before he died on the cross? I know you're a good Catholic, Claudia. Can you tell me what were the last two things that Christ said before he died on the cross? You know? Oh, and forget them because they don't know, or why Why have you forsake me? I don't remember which one was the last one, one of those two. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you on the spot. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Good. You're absolutely, you, you are a good I know you are. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you're absolutely correct, because what he said was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said, Let your will be done. I surrender. I put my spirit in your hands. That's what he said. And so we, you and I, we are here to follow the example set before us, to crucify the personal will. And is that going to hurt? (laughs) Does crucifixion hurt? And Metatron pleads with us not to forget that we are spiritual beings when he says, quote, I plead with you, don't forsake your heart, for it is your oasis in a dry and thirsty land. You will wander in the desert being tempted by the ego, the ego. 
And when you're out there, it may become desperate. Who knows what you will do? He's saying people are capable of some nasty, horrible things when they get disconnected from their source. And he calls this thinking the more is better belief. He calls it material lie. The material lie. And he goes on to finish this message by saying that being poor is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Why does he make this statement? Because being poor is horrible, isn't it? I was a poor kid. I mean, I was raised by a single mother, three children, and she worked hard. She had her own beauty salon and she worked hard. But we were still low income. And I remember getting free lunches. And how mortifying that was to me. I didn't want any of my friends to know. And I remember my mom using food stamps at the grocery store. I don't know if you remember food stamps, Claudia. In those days, they looked like play money. Uh, they were something like real dollars. Uh, but, but we didn't have a card back then. Okay? And she told me, after I was grown, that she wanted to run and hide when she pulled out those food stamp dollars out of her wallet because everybody in the line would look at you. And she would just feel so ashamed. But she had three mouths to feed and an ex-husband who didn't pay child support. So I remember those days. Those days will never leave me. They made an imprint on me. And the feeling of food insecurity and being so grateful for Kmart clothes When we went to Kmart, that was a big deal. So why would Metatron say that being poor isn't as bad as we think? Because he's never been poor? Were you ever low income at any point in your life? And if you were, how did that feel for you? No, I I have never been in that place, and so no thank. Um, I want to say thank God, but on the other hand, I understand why he says that because, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. when when I was young, when I was a child, how life is. It, it was just okay. I don't remember ever wondering. If I was eating a, a hot dog or a filet mignon or whatever it is, I, it didn't matter. I just, I, it, it, I had a, a life where everything was fine. Whatever I had, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I was not looking for having more or having less. So I remember mm-hmm. that as my childhood, as being a, a good childhood where everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about um, what he's saying about being poor is okay. The problem is when you see poorness 
or poor, something bad or something that has a a label. Because when you are aware of a label in anything, that's when things change. For example, if you have money, and money is power, is I, I don't know, is a sense of power, of identity, of then you're in trouble as well. Because when that doesn't, it's not there, or it's not in the way you think it should be, you feel poor even though you have everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's all it's all um, relative, right? It is. Um, but I can tell you, you, it's horrible to be poor. <laughs> and anyone who has been poor knows that. <laughs> but, you know, but, I love go ahead. being in this chapter, in this chapter, sorry to interrupt, I love in this chapter where... He, come, he starts talking about compassion and the lie about that having a compassionate heart is helping someone that you perceive as lower or inferior or having less than you. And I love that part because you are like in, in Catholicism, and that I can address is in Catholicism, you're always taught that if you are compassionate, you have to give to the poor because those poor, mm-hmm. whoever that, those are, do not have in them enough to reach whatever you think you have. And I love that part mm-hmm. in the book where he questions and he says, who told you that compassionate has to do with helping someone else out of whatever situation they are having and you are judging that situation when in fact mm-hmm. we are all in exactly where we should be and we are um, getting out of whatever karmic lessons we need so sometimes interfering in other people's lives is not the best to do Mm. that to me that was whoa this is this is huge and it's deep and what do you think about that Nina yes I I thought that was um when when I channeled that part I was so surprised by those words I was really taken back by that. But I also liked what he had to say. Again, he's very um, uh, very forthright um, and, and will just tell the truth like it is. And what he says is that part of karma is difficult situations that we're in. And so if we're always rescuing, he's talking about rescuing people. If we're always rescuing people, out of the those hard situations in their lives, then when are they going to ever learn those lessons? If we're always extracting someone from away from pain, how are they going to learn? Because we learn from pain. And he's talking really about shedding negative karma again. And he's saying, how can this person that you love and want to help, it's a, it's a good motivation to want to help, but you also have to remember that they have their own karma to deal with. 
and you coming in and rescuing them out of that all the time may not be helpful in the long run. I think that's what he's saying. And I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah. But and I, here's and what he I says about... Yeah, I love the example that he also put out there where he says, if we are by the river and you see a baby that is being blown by the water, you would jump. Like, And I was thinking, I'm not a brave person, so probably you're an adult or someone and you're drowning and I'm the one in the edge, I might not save you because I'm not brave. But I was thinking on the baby, where a I, I baby, it looks innocent and, and you know, is an innocent being. I might jump after the, a baby without even thinking. And that's one of, another of those responses that we are, we have it in printed yes. in ours. I might not jump for an adult, and I'm not sure. But for a baby, mm-hmm. I would be right there drowning. Among the baby. Yeah. Yes, and he doesn't, um, I want to point out, <clears throat> at that point when he's talking about it, he, about the drowning example, he says, he says, because we have these instincts, the survival instinct, okay, to, to, to make sure that uh, babies and old people survive, okay, because we have some compassion or empathy, we will jump in. We can't help ourselves. We're going to do that, okay? And so he's not saying it's bad for you to do that. It's bad for you to save someone. He's saying just be mindful of what you're doing and be mindful that if this person is an adult, okay, and if they got themselves in, in these situations in the first place, then be mindful that what you may be doing is rescuing them when what they need is that lesson. So I believe that's what he's saying. Okay, so let me return then real quickly to this idea about being poor because it has to do with what he called the material lie, and I want to explain that. So being poor, he says, is a, a... uh, tool used for purification of the soul. Okay, that's what I was just saying. You cannot get into heaven until your soul is purified, for it is a holy place where errors cannot exist. Now, I had never heard that before. Let me, let me say that again. This is a tool used for purification of the soul. You cannot get into heaven until your soul is purified, for it is a holy place where errors cannot exist. So if poverty is used to purify the soul of the ego, then it cannot be all bad, can it? For purification of the ego is the only way into heaven. That's what he's saying. He says, quote, as Christ pointed out, lack and loss, what you call pain, is a purifying element. Say Metatron got it wrong, okay? Let's say, let's look at what Jesus said on the, in the Beatitudes, okay, the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. What he said 
quote, so you know all those blessed ours in Matthew, blessed are the, blessed are the. He says, quote, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that what Metatron just said? You can't get into heaven until you've been purified. And Christ says, you'll get into heaven, quote, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who is them? The poor. Those who have been purified of the material lie. Okay, so let's let's stop now and discuss all of these concepts. And maybe if we have callers, it'd be a great time to take them now. Yeah, we do. Let me bring um, Melissa from Colorado. Hi. How beautiful. I'm, I'm going to get this book. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Melissa. I'm glad yes. you called. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for being here. Uh, that's a beautiful book. And I wish the way the lady describes me and Maritron's giving you that. Uh, when, when you were speaking, I resonated a lot. It was bringing some memories. Like I was going through the past. It was, like, I, I was kind mm-hmm. of anyway, anyway, Maritron understands. And you, y'all do too. Yeah. I have a specific question uh, to ask Maritron. I, yeah. I've noticed a shift change in my, in my soul. I know my, my intuitive and my awareness has changed. And uh, I, I, I believe that when the light, when we walk, we untangle, like he was saying, what is to be evil? And uh, I, I, I want a blessing or what is the advice that I can please have my scene untangle, clear, more clear, because I, mm-hmm. I have encountered someone right now who is, Claims to be a life worker, but the, I believe that the soul is being, the free will is being tangled, uh, knotted mm-hmm. by maliciously different layers of changing all the time every day. So this light worker is not able to mm-hmm. see the truth, permission to, to mm-hmm. uh, and any guidance. Thank you so much, and they, and love and Marco and all your archangels. Thank you so much for assisting us. Mm-hmm. I'm here to assist. Please, permission. So Thank you. What, what's, your, what's your question? My question is, may I have permission to untangle? Uh, I like to see better. A blessing, I can see better. Viewing, I can mm-hmm. see better. Because when I go somewhere, like I like, I like to be in crowds. And when I'm in crowds sometimes, I, I see people talking. Something's here. I feel changes. I, I, I can see people's behavior mm-hmm. changing. So that's mm-hmm. my question, and that if I can have permission to unlock whatever I have, I think what I have in my gift is being it has has been unlocked. Mm. So are these changes good changes? Do you think, on the whole? Uh, yes, ma'am. Everything is good because uh, I've taken hits from people being rude. I, I, I save people from areas, and I've been there. Uh, here to help, but I just need like an assistance of a clarification or blessing if I can. Uh, I, I don't. I, I I know that I get into places where there's negativity because I, I go somewhere sometimes and I can feel it and I will just pray and then I see. Mm-hmm. So it's a long conversation because I know we're limited, 
but the archangel understands what any advice or anything that I said. So what comes to mind is uh, for you is we, you you and I and my co-host Claudia and, and our listeners, let's all do something. I'm sorry, what was your first name for our caller? What was your first name? Melissa. Melissa, okay. Her name. Let's do something for Melissa. Let's let's all together. I'm going to just um, pray a little prayer. And here's why: because Christ said, "We're agreeing on any one thing; it will be done for them." That's what He said. Okay. And so I'm going to believe that that's true. And uh, let's all just say a quick prayer. And Melissa, you pray along too, okay? So and let's ask Metatron to come and help. Melissa, is that okay, Melissa, if we ask Metatron? Yes. Okay. So, Metatron, um, I'm just speaking out loud to you right now. I just ask for my friend Melissa, who I've never met, but she's such a precious soul. She took the time to listen this morning or this afternoon, wherever she is around the world, and to call in and say she needs support in the spiritual realm for the difficulties that she faces in her life, just as we all face difficulties, and that she needs your strength. <clears throat> so I pray, Metatron, I ask you that you go to Melissa, that you show yourself to Melissa, that you prove yourself to Melissa, that you would become a very faithful and close friend to her, and that you would clarify, that's the word she used, that you would clarify what is unclear in her mind, that you would clarify what is unclear in her environment and that her vision her spiritual vision would improve Uh, even her even her physical eyes will improve so that she sees clearly within and without and as it is in heaven so it is on earth to agree and so we believe this and we believe this will be done amen okay so melissa I really think in the next two, three, four days of the next week, be looking for some big signs because I think they're going to happen. I think Metatron will visit you. Wow, and let us know, Melissa. So, um, Nina, hold on. Uh, Solar H-Wave, can you have a question Mm -hmm. for Nina? Caller H Wade eight nine six. Do you have a question? Yes, hi Claudia. Um, this is Mary. Um, I do have a question. I am a mm-hmm. little bit confused about the ego thing of what Metatron is saying. Um, if mm-hmm. I could get clarification on it, because all of my spiritual teachings and all over the years have said that ego is important. That we need to work with the ego and that it's, mm-hmm. it's important to keep us alive. And I mm-hmm. need some clarification on that, that we have to work with it and let it know mm-hmm. that it's okay to be with us, but that, you know, um, I, I don't know. I'm just confused. If you could give me a little bit more clarification on the ego of, of yeah, enjoying yeah. it. Yes, I think it's a really intelligent question. I appreciate you calling in and asking it. So there are different ways to look at the ego, right? There are different philosophies spiritually 
uh, to look at the ego. So what I, what I think he's saying here is that so the ego has lots of facets. Just as our personality has lots of facets, the ego is responsible for a lot of things. And the ego is responsible for, let's say, our identity, okay? It helps us to understand who we are. So it gives us a sense of identity. That's just one of the many things that the ego in the mind does for us. Now, that's a good thing. Otherwise, we would all wander around not knowing who we are or what we're supposed to be doing. So a sense of purpose and identity is what the ego gives us. So it can give us really important good things that we must have to survive. can also, just like our personalities, it also has some things about it like pridefulness and arrogance, right, and judgmentalism. It also has these characteristics. And so what I think what he's saying is for those negative characteristics, that's what we're here to shed. I don't think he's saying that the ego on the whole is a bad thing. I, I think he just didn't take it apart. He didn't unpack it for us. Um, because, there, yeah, of course, there are many good things that the ego does for us that we'll always need until the day we die. So he's just saying for those, however, for those traits, those ego traits, like, you know, being judgmental, being prideful, uh, arrogant, those kind of things that we can get into. Um, he's saying those are the things that we're here to work on. Does that help? Yes, yes, very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice to, nice to hear your voice again. And, and if we are getting to the end of today's conversation, is there anything that you want to add or leave us uh, Wow, this hour flew by, and I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to take more callers. Um, but my gratitude always to my gracious and insightful co-host, Claudia, and to the listeners. And I hope if you've enjoyed this podcast that you'll join us next time when we will be studying message 22 entitled The Anarchists of Light, The Anarchists of Light, on Friday, November 17th at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time right here on CBU. If you'd like to learn more about my books, please visit my blog at ninabingham.blogspot.com or go to amazon.com and I wish for you light and light and more light. So bye for now. Thank you, Nina. And one of the thoughts that we were talking about on today is um, it's okay not to know anything. It's okay to leave. It's okay to walk out. It's okay to take time to decide and to take space mm-hmm. to feel. It's okay to be mm-hmm. you. And thank you, Nina, for reminding us of it's okay to be you. And see you Mm -hmm. back in November. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now.